Novel Finds, the podcast where we talk about your favorite books, our favorite books, and everything in between. Hey, it's me, Maggie. I am here with an author interview. I'm really, really excited about this one, you guys. This has been one of my favorite fantasy books that I've read in quite a while. It was one of my favorite books of last year and one that I'm just really, really Gosh, uh, embarrassing. How many times can I say really? (laughs) Um, I'm excited that we get to talk about this book on the podcast. Today, we are talking about Legends and Lattes by Travis Baldry. Legends and Lattes is the perfect cozy fantasy. It's all about warmth and heart and rediscovering yourself and found family. Um, I could go on and on about how much this book means to me and how excited I am to have Travis on the podcast. But if you know me or if you have been around me at all the past few months, you know, I cannot stop talking about this book. And I am so excited that he was willing to join me on the podcast to chat about it. Travis, how are you doing? I'm doing fabulously. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm really excited to delve into your book, but um, before we do so, what would you say, just as a little warm up, is your go to coffee order? All right. So um, my my coffee starts good during the day and then degrades over the course of it as I get lazier and lazier. But my first coffee is a mezzo mezzo, which is a little bit of raw sugar in the bottom, steamed a little bit with an Americano on top of it, and then an espresso, and then a little steamed milk. And then it gets way simpler after that. But that's my that's my go to if I can get it coffee. That is incredibly fancy. Is that something you're able to make at home or just if you're out and about? I can make it at home for my wife and I's 20th wedding anniversary. A couple of years ago, we got a um, one of those automated like espresso machines that like grinds it and does Amazing. the whole thing, um, which is a pretty good 20th uh, anniversary present for yourself. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I use that every day um, and I do love it. Amazing. And what would you say is your favorite, maybe pastry or treat to have alongside your coffee? Is there one that made it into the book that is a go-to favorite for you? The funny thing is that it didn't make it into the book. It was scone. <laughs> I really like scones, like the big chunky, like American style scones too, that are like kind of like crisp on the top. And they usually have like turbinado sugar on them. And oh yeah. Like cranberry. That's, that's my jam. That's good. A good cranberry scone with like the sugar on top that's almost mm-hmm. like crunchy. So good. crunchy. Yeah, that's the thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, before we delve into your book, Travis, would you mind telling us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about yourself as an author and then maybe a brief synopsis of Legends and Lattes? Sure. Um, so I spent 20 plus years making video games. That was my career. So I made stuff like Torchlight and Fade and Rebel Galaxy. Um, and I thought that was going to be my career. And um, several years ago, I retired from doing that to narrate audiobooks. I'd been doing it on the side for fun as a game developer, and I just decided I liked it more. And I had enough work to let me continue doing it. So I did and never looked back and didn't have a nanoseconds of regret. Um, and I'm still doing that. That's still ostensibly my job. Um uh, as far as authorship, I always wanted to write a book. Um, I tried to participate in lots of national novel writing months, and they were all complete failures. And I got to like the middle of the book, and I was pantsing it every time, and it and it just never resulted in a completed book. 
Um, Legends and Lattes is my first finished novel. It's also the one that I outlined. Ooh, <laughs> what? Hiss. Ooh, hiss. Um, so that ended up being the thing that worked for me that I didn't want to work for me. Um, <laughs> oh, no. And uh, I, I've written a second book since then that will come out this fall that's kind of like a prequel to it. And I'm planning to continue writing. So that's, I guess that's my general background. Today is also the one-year anniversary of the release of Legends and Lattes as an indie publisher. So exactly one year ago, I released it self-pub. So, oh my gosh, cool congratulations. Book. As far as the synopsis for the book, Legends and Lattes is a kind of cozy fantasy that is about an orc barbarian who is uh, late in life in her 40s, decides she doesn't want to do the career that she's done her entire life. This is so unfamiliar to me. Um, <laughs> and then retires from it to open a coffee shop in a town that has never heard of coffee yet. And it is largely a story about late life change and bravery that doesn't involve swinging a sword and found family and, um, you know, kind of finding your people that, in places that you didn't expect them. So that's the general gist. Love it. So it seems like a lot of inspiration was taken from your own life, um, especially with the main character of Viv, who changes her career to do something very different than she's been doing her entire life. Did you find that the idea sort of came from something that you were experiencing or what made you pick the fantasy genre? So as far as the fantasy, I read a lot of genre fiction. I narrate a lot of genre fiction. I like mm -hmm. it. Um, but I narrate pretty high octane stuff. It's always some guy fighting some world ending evil because that's what I get cast for as an audiobook narrator. Yeah. And I just wanted to read something that wasn't that. And I was joking around in my Discord where I work live. And I said, you know what I really want to read is a Hallmark movie set in the Forgotten Realms that is just like makes me feel good after I'm done. Yeah. And that was the genesis of the idea. I didn't actually intentionally put myself into the book. I only noticed it after I wrote it. I was like, wow, good job there. <laughs> <laughs> it was not my intent at all. Um, and the original idea was a lot jokier. It was like, um, it was very stereotypical. It was like the dwarven, the dwarven, like, um, high powered business dwarf, like goes back to her dad's failing mine, you know, and all sure, the, yeah. you know, quirky locals. And she's kind of cranky about it. And also there's somebody with a sweater and he's ruggedly handsome and there's cookies. And, you know, that was like, it was very joking. That's not what I wrote, but it was where the idea started. Um, yeah. I mean, that idea is very Hallmark. <laughs> it, is, sure. it is. It yeah. is. <laughs> Amazing. So, um, has have you ever read any cozy fantasy generally, or what was it about writing something incredibly cozy that that even came to you? I can't say. Mm -hmm. You know, I have seen romance novels or cozy mysteries, but I had never read a cozy fantasy novel until this one. So, my take on it is that it exists, but people just didn't recognize it as such. So yeah. I think, for instance, Howl's Moving Castle is cozy fantasy. Diane Wynne-Jones and basically any Studio Ghibli movie is like cozy <laughs> fantasy for the most yeah. part. But also I think Terry Pratchett kind of is in a yeah. lot of ways a template for this because he's writing stories in a fantasy world that are about normal people and like societal ideas or personal ideas. They're just about mm -hmm. people. They're not about all the normal fantasy things. And they find lots of ways to talk about stuff that's relatable to everybody um, with kind of the fairy dust of magic on top of it. So 
It's a very yeah. different kind of feel because it's also got Terry Pratchett's very unique brand of humor. It's very British, but I think it has, I think in a lot of ways, it's kind of like prototypical for cozy fantasy. So I feel like it's been around for a long time. Um, yeah. As far as me writing it, I didn't set out to write like cozy fantasy. I just wanted to write something that I wanted at the time. It's the middle mm-hmm. of COVID. You know, I never seeing anybody's face and I just wanted to read something nice and write something nice that made me feel good. And I didn't have much expectation for it. So this is all very surprising. But apparently a lot of other people wanted that same kind of thing. And I think a lot of it probably has to do with the timing. It's COVID. It's isolation. The idea of going to a coffee shop was like escapist fantasy for me right then. (laughs) Seeing somebody's face was like, oh, my God, I would just love to do this. So, yeah, hmm. absolutely. It has been such a popular book. Um, I work at a bookshop here in, in Edinburgh, and it has been just flying off the shelves. People are really, really connecting. Just, I think, with the sweet, gentle quality of the story, It's it's been compared to actually um, playing like a nice video game, something like Stardew yeah. Valley or Animal Stardew Crossing. Valley, something like yeah. that, yeah. Yep. Where you're slowly just building your world. And there is definitely conflict and a lot of moving parts but it's never Mm -hmm. high disaster (laughs) and it has that kind of progression element that games have in a lot of ways it's the coffee shop that goes from nothing to something and it gets slowly assembled over time and it's kind of satisfying when those things come together uh the same thing with like the menu progressing i was telling somebody it's in a lot of ways it's kind of like a synthesis of tv shows like fixer upper where they take the junkie house (laughs) yes and it's just really satisfying when it's all fixed and things like the Great British Bake Off, where, and both of those shows have drama, but it's not mean drama. Absolutely. Like you, actually, you can't you look away. In them. Yeah. If you get invested in them, you care about what happens. And, you know, sad moments happen, but they're not because somebody was awful to somebody and they're not because somebody died. They're just human drama. It's just the, the television and the media that you want to go to after, mm-hmm. after a busy day. Absolutely. Would you say that Viv then is the character that you relate to the most or who is your favorite character to write? If it's Viv probably is easily the most relatable for me personally. Yeah. Um, uh, as far as the most fun to write, it's hard to say. I like writing them in a group, but um, Assemble is pretty fun to write. I really like Cal. I like the gruff Uncle Handyman. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that's probably what I would say. I just have to say, I loved Thimble so much. Every time he came to be, I was just smiling. (laughs) So sweet. I did attempt, I will say in the back of my book, there's a recipe for Thimblets, which I thought was really cute. And I tried to make them. Turns out I'm not much of a baker, but I appreciate the recipe (laughs) being there. (laughs) Um, Do you have a favorite line or section of the book that you would like to share? Um, honestly, I think my favorite line is the last line in the book that Amity leapt. I just, I liked the ending. <laughs> I felt like it tied things up for me and I managed to get away with not really having any violence in the book past like the first line. But there's like this implied conclusion to things that feels very satisfying to me. I don't know. I like the epilogue. <laughs> and I like that I, last line. I thought that there was something so nice about it where... Because you've talked about, you know, making this really sweet story that's sort of Hallmark-esque and it felt finished without being in a bow tie. And it sort of ended on 
Like, you know, what's going to happen, but you're also satisfied and hopeful with whatever conclusion yeah. exists post book. Yep. Yeah. Mostly that's what I wanted out of the book is I felt done and good when I finished reading it. That's another thing I like about Terry Pratchett. I'm going to bring up Terry Pratchett. Again. <laughs> Terry Pratchett has a giant series of books, but you can read them in any order and every one feels like its own little satisfying story. And then they build on each other over time if you read more than one, but you don't have to. And I really like that. Yeah. I like having a completed story. Do you think that that's something you're going to continue doing? I know you said that you're writing something of a prequel um, mm -hmm. to Legends and Lattes. Do you think that's my in the aim. future? Yeah. That's my that's aim. The prequel's amazing. done. The prequel's done. But again, it's kind of a standalone. You don't have to read the other book to read it. But I, they interlock. And I think they both work better with the other book. But you don't have to have read the other book. And it's its amazing. own completed story. Yeah. No, I think that that's really, really nice. I think there's something satisfying about reading a book on its own, but also existing in a series. I was actually, I'm going to go on a tangent. I hope that's okay. No, I yes. saw the new Ant-Man movie today. And mm -hmm. I was telling my partner that I wish that Marvel movies could be watched without watching everything that exists beforehand There's as a well huge <laughs> burden of requirements yes. to understand all of the people that converge in a marvel movie now yes it's impossible i had missed like watching one of the tv shows they went out and i was so confused for so much of the movie and oh, I bet. it's very frustrating um so i absolutely <laughs> agree <laughs> so do you feel like i know you mentioned it a little bit but your experience as a video game developer and an audiobook narrator really influenced the way that you wrote the book? Um, did any parts of writing come more naturally to you because of your mm -hmm. previous experience? I think they both influenced it in very different ways. So mm -hmm. as an engineer and a game developer and a software developer, I'm really organized about self-work and versioning and deadlines and like production processes and staying on task and getting things done. So that was all very useful. Yeah. Um, uh, just managing the process of writing and going all the way through the publication process. As far as writing, I know my writing changed a lot in the way I think about writing and the way that I write after narrating thousands of hours of other people's books mm -hmm. um, for a couple of reasons. One is it really, it really clarifies for you what you like and what you don't like and why. Yeah. Because you can't skim when you narrate. So you have to live every sentence. And if it's really boring to you or not interesting or feels repetitive or whatever, you notice. And also if it's really great and you're like, man, this dialogue just sings and I love how elegantly this was all tied up. All of that stands out to you in a way that it doesn't stand out to you when you're reading it in your mind on a page mm -hmm. and like looking up when somebody talks to you and there's a sort of distracted quality often to like reading. Yeah. Or skimming quality. I'm I'm bored with this bit, so I'm just going to flip a few pages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there were some drapes and there's a silverware. Okay, now we're talking <laughs> again. And I just kind yeah. of blur behind those. So it, it makes those things really, really stand out. So it clarifies like your own personal taste really, really well. Mm -hmm. The other thing it does is it rewires the brain, the way your brain works when you read, because you hear everything. So I... I heard a certain amount in my mind when I read before I was a narrator, but now I can very clearly hear my voice and the voices of the characters and the inflection and everything else in my brain before it comes out of my mouth. And the same yeah. thing happens when I write. Um, so it's like this weird shortcutting of some of the process that's really valuable for like dialogue, mm -hmm. 
and just the vibe. I, I don't know. It's yeah. feels like a strange superpower you get by reading out loud all the time. Yeah. What was it that drew you to audiobook narration um, in the beginning? Originally, I just, I really liked audiobooks. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Frank Muller is like my favorite narrator of all time. I thought they were really cool. I, I, I just, I was really drawn to the fact that you could tell a story so cinematically with the voice in a way that I hadn't experienced before because I was just reading it in my brain and skimming along and seeing something that evoked the story and the feel so well was just kind of mind-blowing to me. Yeah. Um, I read a lot to my kids and my wife and it came a point where nobody needed that from me anymore. And um, I stumbled across ACX, which is Amazon and Audible's service for letting independent authors put their books up for audition. And it kind of facilitates mm-hmm. getting those published. So most indie authors publish their audio that way. And a lot of small presses do too. And I auditioned for some stuff because I was like, I have some of the equipment from game development for doing audio recording and I'm just reading stories out loud. So why don't I do this? Should be fun. And it turned out I really liked it. So I just yeah. kept doing it. Yeah, that's amazing. That is That is just really, really cool. Do you find as a reader and as a narrator that um the story really is is very visual for you or very very cinematic like i can see the people in the moving and everything else which is honestly in a lot of ways really instrumental to narrating having Mm -hmm. a good mental picture of where people are and what they look like and what their facial expressions are and how they're inclining their heads towards someone it's very weirdly physical yeah having that mental image is like really really important and makes the stories cooler honestly yeah. Did you find as you were writing Legends and Lattes that you sort of visualized and imagined what was sort of happening to the characters before you would write it on the page? I know you said this was the one where you had written an outline. It's, it's almost, um, I kind of see it as I'm writing. It's like seeing movie yeah. shots. I write well, kind of like movie shots, like TV shots, and which mm-hmm. often means that I write things I have to edit out because they're superfluous to text. Yeah. So there'll be like gestures or motions that I see them doing that I see as beats of the shots yeah, and that you don't really need in text. So that's often what I end up removing is stuff that I saw that didn't need to be there. That makes sense. Are those moments that if there's ever a film adaptation that you're sort of hoping to put in or. Most of them are really minor, like somebody looking up or like gesturing or getting up from it. There's like little subtle motions that people would do in frame that otherwise people just imagine on in text and don't need. So I don't know yeah. if I'd need the movie put in. I think they would just happen naturally from whoever was doing it. Yeah, no, that that absolutely makes sense. So NaNoWriMo mm-hmm. is huge. National Writing Novel Month, I believe. Mm-hmm. National Novel Writing Month. I think I said mm-hmm. that incorrectly the first time. But um, you tried it a few times. So what was a day in the life as you were writing Legends and Lattes? How difficult was it to sort of stay on task and and encourage yourself to keep writing this. So the things let me get through it this time, and was, was first things first, I wrote here in this booth that I'm sitting in because it's quiet and there's no snacks nearby and there's nothing to distract <laughs> yourself with. Yeah. So at the, end of the, at the end of the day, after I'd done my day of work and had dinner, I would come back down here and I would sit down and I would write one chapter. Mm. Um, and I wrote just a chapter a day until I was done. So um, that, that's how the actual process went. The things that got me to the end of it were, it's, it's work. It's still work. Sometimes it doesn't feel that much like work. You have a really good moment or whatever, but by and large, it's work. And until the chapter is done, it feels kind of like, 
how am I going to do this? <laughs> but you just keep doing it. Yeah. Um, the things that got me through this time were one, an outline, knowing where I was going because I didn't get lost in the middle. There was always that next signpost to lunge for when it got foggy. Mm-hmm. Um, the other was I had a writing buddy. Uh, my friend, Aiden Shorekind, is another narrator, and she also wrote a book during NaNoWriMo, and we kept each other on task. And it's the first time I Amazing. ever did that, and it was huge. It was huge for me. Um, so I think those were the two main things that helped me yeah. helped me get done and kind of how the process worked. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have any tips for our listeners out there that are looking to join this November in writing a novel? Having a, having a buddy is a good deal. It's really, really great. <laughs> yeah. Don't underestimate how useful that is. The other is, I think, if I don't want to say that you should outline or not outline or anything else, but if you have been doing something and it hasn't been working, maybe try the other thing. It took me a really long time to try the other thing. I was just yeah. sure I was a pantser. For anybody who doesn't know, a pantser is someone who just starts writing. They have the vague idea and the words flow and it's very transcendent and amazing. And it sounds super cool. And I can't <laughs> do that. Um, but I know lots of people who can. But if you, for instance, have been thinking you're a pantser and it's never worked out, maybe try to be a plotter or <laughs> vice versa or whatever. Just whatever hasn't been working, maybe try the other thing that you didn't think was you. Yeah. Shake it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Did anything surprise you while you were writing, specifically with the story or with characters? Um, I know that outlines exist, but sometimes as you're writing, you figure things out along the way. So on the first book, not really. Yeah. The outline was pretty much the book. I think Amazing. I added two chapters by fracturing some things up. You know, characters developed slightly differently maybe than what it, because for me, a lot of it's like seeing the shape of it under the sheet and then you pull yeah. back the sheet and like, oh, that's how that's made up. That's how that works. You're kind of like discovering it as you continue rolling that back. But for the most part, the book is the shape that it was. The biggest surprise was the tone. I thought it was going to be funnier and jokier and it just was not. But that weirdly did not change the outline in any way, shape or form. It was just the mm-hmm. tone of the prose and how the characters, the, you know, what, how jokey the dialogue was. Yeah. There really weren't any like nods and winks to the camera in the book. They told it straight. All my surprises came on the second book, <laughs> which is where <laughs> things did not go the way that they were supposed to go at all. Um, so for the second book, I thought I was sure I knew what I was doing because I'd written mm-hmm. a book. How about that? Um, so I outlined it to within an inch of its life. I knew exactly what it was. The concept was, I still like the concept, but I wrote about 20 or 30,000 words and I said, boy, do I hate this so much. Oh no. <laughs> um, for me, it was largely, it was too plot driven and mm-hmm. the heart of it, like the human relatable thing got subsumed. I couldn't recognize it or feel it. And yeah. so it just felt bad to me. And it took me three desperate restarts before I found the story that worked. Um, so that was kind of like my late realization that I really need to have this sort of touchstone of like something that I remember or relate to really strongly that I can feel that inner, that underpins the plot rather than just being like, you know, a little bit of sprinkling of dust on the plot. Um, Mm -hmm. I like a plot. I like a a book that moves, but I don't like it to feel mechanical where the plot drives everything. Yeah, that makes sense. It's definitely more. I, well, I found with Legends and Lattes, it definitely character driven and mm-hmm. and relationship driven and and who we meet if we're open to that experience. So what can you tell us about your new book? 
if you can tell us anything at all. I can. I can. It is a prequel-ish. It's set about 20 years before Legends and Lattes. Vid is young. She is still super into adventuring. She's with um, the first big mercenary company that she joined called Rackham's Ravens. And they're off hunting this necromancer through the wilds to the west. And because she's so young and headstrong, she gets injured. And they dump her off in a really crappy beach town to heal up while they continue on their merry way. She's thwarted and she's annoyed. She runs afoul of the local uh, gate wardens immediately. And then she befriends the really foul-mouthed owner of a failing bookshop. And she starts a friendship with her. And the book is largely about um, all the little seeds that get planted early in your life that you don't know how they're going to grow later. And they've had these profound changes that you're ultimately surprised by. And it's about books and how we relate to and see people through stories. Um, the same things that matter to me in writing a story that I discovered I, I had to have. And yeah. um, also there's a lot of skeletons in it. Nice. Um, it's, uh, so it's not exactly the same kind of book, but it's, it interlocks with it. No, that sounds really, really lovely. Um, can I ask, I guess with this one and then with the new one as well, um, sort of sticking with Viv, was that character the first thing that came to you in terms of story when you were figuring out Legends and Lattes? I think so. Because initially yeah. I was like, what is the character that is furthest from what I would ever be allowed to narrate? <laughs> um, who, you know, who was who who something, somebody that I don't ever get to read? And so that was what I started with. Um, and who would be like most incongruous with like starting a coffee shop at the same time? So that's that's how I chose Viv. Her actual personality kind of followed after that. Like, sure. what kind of person is she? She's a planner. She's somebody who's actually kind of thoughtful about things. You know, she's she's I don't know. She's practical. Mm -hmm. I, anyway, Very. I liked Viv. As far as the second book, I wasn't going to write about her at all. Um, the second book was going to be about a character that shows up in the book that I did write, but is not in the main. Um, she is a 500-year-old elf who was a professor professor of thalmic um, uh, forensics. It was basically I was going to write fantasy murder. She wrote, um, <gasps> so she's like this professor, and she gets passed over for the deanship of the magical college, and she quits angrily and goes off to become a not particularly good romance writer. And then she gets called back to the university when the previous dean, the one she was passed over for, gets mysteriously murdered and they want her to investigate it. And she just wants to shake the hand of whoever did it. So she comes back to town with her affable himbo and sets up like her fledgling, you know, detective agency above this bookshop. And that was what the book was going to be. I still well, like that idea. I think uh, I hope to see that in the future. <laughs> I hope I hope to see it too in some form or another. But she does show up. She does show up. Lots of bits of the books that that didn't get written showed up in the one that did. Okay, that's very cool, though. Sort of bringing it all together. Yeah. Nice. Ruthless harvesting. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's another way to put it. I was thinking more lovely. You know, everything. Yeah, lovely. Comes I like full your circle. way. I like yeah. your way. I like your way. <laughs> Um, well, Travis, before we let you go, this is a question we ask all of the authors who join us. Some love it, most hate it, but what is your all-time favorite book? I'm going to say the book that like maybe influenced me the most in a weird way when I was young, and it's Nicobobinus by Terry Jones. 
who was one of the Monty Python crew. Yeah. And it is, uh, it's a kid's story. It's about uh, a, a boy named Nick Abobinus, his friend Rosie, who live in Venice. And uh, they go off to find the land of dragons and he gets partially turned to gold. And there's really awful bloodthirsty monks. And there's, uh, it's really surreal. It's really fun. I, and I can still see all the illustrations in my brain. And I think in a lot of ways, it probably just influenced the kind of stuff that I like. I still love this book. So that's what I'm going to It sounds say. awesome, actually. <laughs> it sounds really, really cool. Um, and I can definitely see how that's something that would stick with you. Well, Travis, where can people find you? Um, where are you at on social media if people are really looking to uh, continue on your journey and, and see what you're up to and hear about your newest books? And um, do you have a favorite uh, independent bookshop that we can can tag so they can purchase your book? Um, as far as where to find me, I'm on most social media, always as Travis Baldry. Twitter's where I probably am the most, but I'm on Instagram and TikTok and Facebook and yada, yada, yada. Um, and for independent bookshop, there is uh, Auntie's Books in Spokane. Spokane's my home city, is amazing, and I love them a whole lot. And I uh, can't say enough nice things about them. Amazing. Well, you guys, if you are looking to follow Travis as he keeps on writing and narrating audiobooks, and as well as purchase your own copy of Legends and Lattes, you can find all of those details in our episode description. Um, Travis, I cannot thank you enough uh, for joining us today. This was tons of fun for me, <laughs> hopefully for you. And um, thank you so much. And we'll see you all next week. Thank you so much. Tons of fun for me too. Well, we heckin' did it, you guys. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard, share us with your other bookish friends and family. And if you're listening with Spotify or Apple Podcasts, be sure to rate and review the show. Um, and if you are interested in joining our Novel Finds community on the Patreon, please follow the link in our bio. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at Novel Finds Podcast. Thank you so much for being a novel friend. We will see you all next week.